0: We are in scene number two, the second picture of the tribulation period. And uh, chapter nine is actually a continuation of the seven trumpets that begin sounding in chapter eight. There we saw that one-third, and keep this in mind, one-third of all of the vegetation and sea life was destroyed. One-third of the sea was turned to blood. One-third of the ships were destroyed, and one-third of the rivers were smitten with wormwood. So it's describing a very, very horrible time upon this earth. And now as the picture continues, we come to the next scene and the fifth trumpet sounds beginning in verse number 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. I think I'll stop there for... Just a moment, because as the fifth trumpet sounds, notice the angel of destruction here in verse number one. Now, unlike the star mentioned back in chapter eight in verse number ten, which was literal, this star is said to be a person. And so we don't have to guess about it. You know, if you, you, you know, you try to make the word star here mean the same thing it does back in the previous chapter you get in trouble and you don't have to guess because it identifies this star as a person and whenever we compare this verse with verse number 11 let's look down there it says, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is a Bagnon and the Greek tongue, his name is Apollo. And so it's telling us right there, the identity of the, of the, of the, of this angel, this messenger is Satan himself. So now we know who we're dealing with in this particular picture here. Now look at the authority of this angel. It says, unto him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Satan, never forget this, Satan has no more power than that which God permits. Satan is powerful, but not all powerful. There was a key given to him. We could never even begin to understand all of the ways of God because God so many times, and remember, as I often say, God either causes or God allows everything that happens. He has His way in the whirlwind. The king's heart is in the Lord's hand. He turneth it with soever He will as the rivers of water. So God either causes it to happen or God allows it to happen. And what we are reading here is something that God is allowing to happen. It says, to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And notice, in, 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 in using this key, he's about to unleash these terrible, horrible plagues upon the earth. And so he has this authority granted to him by God himself. And then it introduces, he introduces to us these awful creatures beginning in verse number 2, all the way down through verse number 10. We left off in verse number 5, or verse 4. Notice verse 5, And to him was given that they should not kill them, but they should be, notice, tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it. And shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Death shall take a vacation, and the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared into battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hairs the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were the breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle, and they had tails like unto scorpions, and they were stings in their tails, and their power was given to hurt men five months." Without one moment of hesitation, Satan takes the key that God has given to him and he puts it to use. I mean, he doesn't hesitate for a second. I mean, he he has granted this control and automatically he unleashes these horrible creatures. Uh, I don't even know how to... Well, God describes them here, but beyond that, I don't know how to describe these things. It's... Unlike anything that we've ever seen uh, and 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 notice they torment men for five months, and the pain is so great it says men shall seek to die, shall seek death and not find it. In other words, there won't be any escape for their misery. I can remember many years ago and uh, we, we were holding campaigns or meetings in all of the little towns there within, say, 50 miles of Springfield. And we called them Contender Crusades. And I would go out and rent a building in a little town, always a little town that did not have an independent Baptist church. Uh, I felt that was the best way to do it. And so we'd go out there and just rent a building, a civic center or whatever it was, uh, there was a gospel singing quartet that Baptist people, the Journeyman Quartet, a great bunch of guys. and In fact, one of them became the governor of Missouri, and they they would go with me on these on these meetings. And I remember being in a place uh, one night preaching and I was preaching about things to come. And uh, I, I have no idea how I I'd tried to describe this. Uh, I talked about people wanting to die so bad that they would drink poison and they couldn't die. And I distinctly remember talking about, you know, they'd try to commit suicide and take a gun, put it at the head, pull the trigger and gun go off, but they wouldn't die. And I went on and on waxing eloquently with that, you know, on and on and and look. I probably made a fool out of myself, but here's the point. I don't know how to describe this. All I can tell you is they are tormented to the point that they want to die, and they can't die regardless of what they do, evidently. Their spirit will not leave their body. God is forcing them to stay alive to face the music. That's why I've said there are things worse than death. And that's certainly the case here. These people want to die. Anything to escape the torment, remember back in chapter number 6, whenever it speaks about the Lord coming back to the end of the tribulation period, and here they are crying out for the mountains and the rocks to fall upon them and to hide them from the face of God. And still they have to face the music. And so here we see these awful creatures that, unlike anything that we can that we can imagine. And then he gives us there in verse 11 and 12, the name of the angel, which the leader, and he uses the Hebrew word and the Greek word, both of them meaning the same thing, destroyer. Don't ever forget, Satan, Satan is the destroyer. And his, his M.O. is, is to, to use deception. From the very beginning, deceive and destroy. He is on a mission not to hurt you, but to destroy you. That night that I was referring to a while ago when when I, I my neck got hurt so bad, that guy didn't want to hurt me, he wanted to kill me. And uh, he was doing everything in his power to do it. And what I'm telling you is Satan's not playing games, folks. Now you would think, you would think after all of these years knowing what we do, about Satan, knowing what we do about God, living here in America with so many churches and everybody having a Bible in their hand, you would think that nobody would want to have anything to do with Satan whatsoever. And as we read on here in just a little while, you're you're going to see that that is not the case. When we talk about the unsaved person not being able to understand the spiritual things, and that's what the Bible tells us, that they're not able to comprehend the spiritual things, their foolishness unto them, the gospel is, and they're blind and they're dead spiritually. and uh, so whenever you look at man as the Bible describes man, then you begin to understand why man does what he does. They're taken captive by the devil at his will. Don't ever tell some unsaved person, well, you could do better than that if you wanted to. You could quit drinking. You could quit smoking dope. You could know. Look, they really can't. Now, that, perhaps perhaps some of them, you know, it might, it might be that some of them can reform themselves and change the way they live to some degree, but they can never become the person that they ought to be. They can never escape the bondage that Satan has them in until they know Christ is their Savior. So here during the tribulation, Satan is unleashing his fury upon the unsaved public during that time, and the torment is horrific, unlike anything the world has ever seen, Jesus said. Well, and the beat goes on. Verse 13. The sixth trumpet is about to sound. Verse 13, and here is. At the very beginning, we see the deliverance of angels. It says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden alder, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, to slay the third part of men." Now, evidently, this is referring to fallen angels, some of which had been bound ever since the fall. Turn back just a moment to Second Peter chapter number 2, and then we'll look at a verse in Jude also. Second Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 4, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now look at Jude, verse number 6. Jude, verse 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. That's what we're seeing here now. Whenever we come to to verse number thirteen and fourteen, and these fallen angels, all of a sudden it says that they come from the great river Euphrates. That was one of the four tributaries, of course, that that flowed from uh, from Eden. And, and remember, that's where Satan launched his first attack upon mankind. And he says they come from the river Euphrates, and uh, That was described in Genesis 15 as Israel's boundary line. And there's probably a whole lot to that that none of us could ever understand, but it all makes perfect sense to God to think about these, these fallen angels suddenly being released from the pit that they've been in all of these years. And they're, they're released for what purpose? Well, to accomplish the will of God in bringing judgment upon the earth. And so notice what happens next. We see the deliverance of these angels momentarily and then the description of the army beginning in verse number 16. The number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them and thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and hasteth and brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the Heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouth. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Well, I guess so. Get the picture. Notice the number here. Two hundred million. Two hundred million of these indescribable, horrible beasts. Try to picture in your mind if all of a sudden, all around the world, that if the door to all of the penitentiaries and the jails and prisons and so forth, if if all of a sudden all of those people were freed, every vicious, every violent criminal all of a sudden was turned loose upon mankind. Can you imagine what it would be like to have all of those people dumped out on society? Listen, in that day it's going to be a whole lot worse than that, 200 million diabolical fiendish creatures coming out of the abyss. And, and whenever we think about, you know, that number, and remember back, I think in World War, in World War Two we had uh, 12 million troops, Fred, you ought to know that, 12 million troops I think that Americans had... Uh, Something, yeah, twelve million. Look, we're talking about two hundred million. And, and notice their nature. I, I don't, I don't even know what, what to think about this. They come riding on horses, and they're murderous. I was telling Bev the other day. We were sitting there watching, and 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 it seemed like about every other commercial had to do with uh, either a TV show or something coming on at the movie. And of course, they've got all of these video games the kids are playing. You know, uh, crazy these these creatures and stuff like that. You, you know, I can remember back years ago, right after the age of the silent movies, and they had you know different scary shows like The Thing. Stuff, some of yeah, some of you yeah yeah you 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 saw some of those the creature from the, B- the Black Lagoon and stuff like that. Now that's one thing, but I'm telling you what we're seeing today is a whole different ballgame. And I said to Bev, I said I cannot imagine where these writers get the idea for these scripts. I mean, it, it uh, you, got, you got all of this stuff that's indescribable. Look, folks, that's what we're seeing right here in the Bible. That's what seems to be science fiction to us is going to be literal one day during the the tribulation period. To have an army of 200 million creatures like this unleashed on society. And I want you to notice in verse 18 the devastation. It says, the third part of men killed. Now wait a minute, in chapter number 6 we saw that on another occasion there were one-fourth One-fourth of the population was killed. And now here we see the third part of men killed. I'm not a math major, but I'll tell you what, as we'd say in Missouri, that that gets to be a whole bunch of people dead. That's what's going to happen. And, And to think about all of that right here on planet Earth, We're not talking about out there on, you know, some other planet someplace. We're talking about right here where we live, folks. And then notice the defiance of these wicked men. And this is what is so amazing, because you would think after a display of power like this, you would think that after the ministry of the 144,000 Jews... And everything that God has done, you would think that people would respond to God's command to repent without any hesitation. But notice what happens. Verse number 20, he says, "...they repented not of the works of their hands, that they should worship not devils." It's clear from this that no amount of judgment will cause some people to repent. Over the years, I've known a lot of folks, I've known people profess to be Christians and they would acknowledge that they, that they were out of God's will and they go from one calamity to another over and over and over. And, 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 you know, and they would ask, well, you know, why is God so angry with me or why does God keep letting this happen to me? And you can sit down with them and try to reason it out. Look, you know, you know uh, could it be that, you know, that you're living in rebellion against God, that you're not doing the things God commands you to do? Oh, well, yeah, I haven't, you know, like one fellow I talked to had just lost his total investment on the house he was trying to buy. And he said, I know we don't tithe, but... And I said, you What? Because I'd known this fellow for years, he'd been in church, you, you don't tithe. Oh no, we, we, we don't tithe, but I didn't think God would let it come to this. We've lost everything we've got financially. And I said, what did you, what did you think was going to happen? So, and some people just see, it seems like they never get the picture. They never put two and two together. And, and regardless of what hardships they go through, they never just turn their life over to God. And here we see a people like that going through this horrible time and you think, boy, they'll get things right now. No, they don't repent. Notice he says they repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils. When I thought about this verse, I I thought, you know, I'm going to look back at a message I preached. This has been several years ago, an article from Time magazine and I remember the article and didn't know what it said, so keep in mind that this is several years ago now, and this is what the the article said. There is a worldwide revival of Satanism and witchcraft. About the same time, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that reported witchcraft is casting its spell on thousands. And I had several other quotes from that time talking about, you know, witchcraft. Satan worship and they have their own so called Bibles, churches, and pastors. And so it just so happened last week, not even looking for it, I clicked on a certain uh, news website and it had an article there about the fastest growing religion in America. Well, automatically you think of Islam, right? Uh, you know. Or maybe you thought of the Mormons or i you know, I don't know. The fastest growing religion in America It's witchcraft. Wicca, they call it. And and, and so I started reading the article, and it it was mind-boggling. It it said there are over two hundred thousand registered witches, and and approximately eight million unregistered practitioners. And here's the shocker: they're doubling every thirty months. And wait a minute. Wicca is just one form of witchcraft. I'm not talking about in the jungles of Africa. I'm not talking about somewhere over in China. I'm talking about right here in America. And to think that witchcraft could possibly be flourishing like that right under our noses, right on our doorstep, is just Mind-boggling to me. So don't think for one minute that this is not a real problem in this world. It is. And it says, They repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils. And then notice it says that they, that they worship idols of gold and silver, brass, stone, and wood. That's in verse number 20. So if you thought such worship is something that happened only in the ancient past, you're wrong. It still happens today. Oh, I know we look back and say, I'd never bow down to a totem pole. I'd never do, I'd never carve an idol, you know, out of wood or stone or whatever else, but, but we make our own idols. Some of them, you know, are associated with Wall Street. When it talks about silver and gold and all of these things here, you can make an idol out of anything. In fact, the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And it's going to be flourishing. And then notice here, not only that, but you see their defiance not only in regards to devil worship, but he says they are idolaters, idols of gold, silver, and brass, and so forth. But notice verse number 21, murders. Boy, you think about how violent society is getting today. When I was a boy, we didn't lock up anything. We didn't have to lock up anything. You really didn't have to worry about it. oh there might be some kids, you know, not me, but some of those mean kids did things they shouldn't, you know, and but I mean you didn't have to worry about violence or anything like that it, you know at least at least that was pretty much stayed within the walls of the hockey talks and things like that we We'd get up in the summertime and go out and play and. And wouldn't be back till that night at supper time. Mom and Dad had no idea where we were at, none whatsoever. I didn't need to worry. I'd get on my bike and take off. I might go twenty miles one direction, and turn around and head back home. Didn't have to worry about. It. Boy, you you better be concerned about it today. You better be careful about letting your kids play outside unsupervised. We live in a dangerous society. There are people that will kill you for a pair of of basketball sneakers. In a heartbeat. They don't think anything about it. Well, nowadays, I guess, I guess it's these silly things that they're killing everybody over. To get your cell phone. Life means nothing to them. We're talking about murderers, but listen, as we think about these defiant people, I want you to understand that at least for me, you put abortion in all of this group. Think about over 4,000 people every day are aborted. That's what, a million and four hundred thousand, nearly a million and a half every year that we murder Taking those innocent lives. I started writing an article the other day, and I was afraid nobody would understand it, and so I wadded it up and threw it away. And you, you know, every person here loves America. And we like to think about the greatness of America Whenever I hear the national anthem and I see old glory waving the breeze, it just does something, does something inside me and it stirs me. But just calling ourselves the greatest nation on earth does not mean that we're anywhere near what we ought to be. We've got serious, serious problems. And I believe a Part of being a good patriot is being honest about the condition of our nation. And we need to be honest about it. And we're in an awful place in our nation where we slaughter these little innocent unborn babies. Murders. And they won't repent. And then he speaks about sorcery here in verse number 21. The word sorceries here comes from a Greek word, pharmakia. Well, you probably... That probably sounds familiar to you. pharmacia. Yeah. It's where we get the English word pharmacy from. What it means is enchanter with drugs. Enchanter with drugs. And so when he talks about the sorceries here, he's speaking about people with mind-altering drugs. I, I would hate to think that we get in some kind of a horrible crisis, you know, and all of a sudden people... Now, look, let's think about this just from the standpoint of of those, let's say, on pain medication or different kinds of medication that people need. They're not drug abusers or anything like that whatsoever. But there is a national calamity of some sort, whether it's an invasion or a natural disaster or whatever it is. And you the pharmacies are shut down. Maybe there's been an economic collapse. You can't access your ATM, and whatever it is, you you can't you can't get the medicines that you need. Can you imagine what's going to happen here in America by way of rioting and looting and killing? And it's horrible to think about that. But then you add to that all of those that are addicted to their, you know, to the the their different drugs. I, I, watch a lot of the cop shows on TV and they'll catch these guys, you know, with some dope. And you ever wonder why it is, you know, that uh, they've got to go to jail and the, and the cop says, well, you'll be out in 12 hours or whatever it is, just overnight or a couple of days and then you come before the judge and what. And, and the, the, these people are going ballistic. You, you know what it is? They know they get in there. They can't, they can't get their next fix and they're in trouble. And you imagine living in a society where all of a sudden people are being deprived of these things that they've become dependent upon and addicted to, and now they can't get what they want or what they need, and all hell breaks loose. So he says, the sorceries, enchantment with drugs. And then notice in verse number 21... He says, "Neither repented they of their murders, nor of the sorceries, nor of their fornication." The Greek word fornication is pornia, and it, we get the English word pornography from that. It talks about sexual sins, whatever type it is. Boy, I'll tell you, the the porn industry is—I don't know how to describe it—a billion dollar a year business, or way up there. I, have no idea. And by the way, we would probably be shocked if we knew how many people were were involved in pornography. It's a scary thought. I've had preachers confess to me and ask me to pray for them because they had become addicted to it instead of studying. They sat in their office all day looking at that filth and garbage so I'm talking about from the top down, as it were, in society. It's a scary thing to think about so many teenagers with such free access to computers and cell phones and what have you, that they can see anything they want to see. Anything. Anything you can imagine. And by the way, it's not only out there, a lot of these young people know where to find it. They know where to look. They know where to go. They know how to get it. About the dirtiest thing we had whenever I was a kid, you know, was the, a, a deck of cards with the girly pictures on them. Fully clothed, by the way. We thought that was raunchy. But I mean, what the young people today, or old people, or whoever it is can, can see, is, is a scary thought. And all types of sexual sins... And then notice he says in verse number twenty-one, and 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 the thieves. This is commonplace. We can't we can't even lock people up, can we, David? I mean, David is uh, chief. I guess the chief detective of uh, of that department of the theft department here in Umbel back there. He he could preach this part of the sermon for sure. Uh, Look, our jails are overflowing. You can't lock up people fast enough. You have to slap them on the wrist and let them go. You don't have anywhere to put them. It's stealing everything. Here's something you might want to think about. What about those that use and abuse the welfare system? There's different ways to steal stuff other than, you know, to go in with a gun and to rob a bank. And we're talking about dishonesty. We're talking about stealing from others. You know, we look at this picture and we're not through yet because we still have chapter 10 and 11 to go in this particular picture of the tribulation. So we've got more ground to cover. But just thinking about where we are right now and how horrible it's going to be. If this does nothing else, it ought to motivate us to do our best to win souls to Christ. To tell our family and friends about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's one thing for us to sit here and enlighten our minds and become more knowledgeable with with the prophecies of the Bible, but but that doesn't do a bit of good if if, if we don't put it to some practical use. So I, I pray that when we leave here, that we'll be determined that we've got a limited amount of time here upon this earth, and we need to reach people while we can before before. God's people are taken out, and they're left to face this horrible period that we're that we're talking about. Not only should we try to win others, we ought to rejoice in the hope of the Lord's coming. Paul said it is the blessed hope. I've heard people say, "Well, why why, why do you pray that the Lord will come back again? I don't want the Lord to come back again." Well, if you if you really understood what's going on, you'd want the Lord to come back again. I feel like John when he said, even so, come Lord Jesus. It is a blessed hope. It's a thing to be desired that Christ would come back. But before that happens, we've got to remember half the world or more has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we resolve to do our best to reach them while we can. Lord willing, next week we'll pick up here in the middle of this second account, of the tribulation. Let's stand together. Father, tonight I thank You for the things that You tell us in Your Word, the enlightenment that comes as we as we simply read Your Word and think about what is is yet to come. But Lord, I'm also grateful tonight for the things that You hide from us, those things that we do not know, those mysteries that we cannot unravel, I'm so thankful that in Your divine wisdom that You put a limit on what we're able to know. And Lord, I just pray tonight that You might motivate each and every one of us to do our best to try to win our loved ones before it's too late. And how we thank You tonight, knowing how bad it's going to be, that in the Lord Jesus Christ we have deliverance from the wrath to come. So help us to live wisely and to remain faithful, not until death, but unto death. Even if it cost us our lives, may we be faithful to do your will, for we beg it in Jesus' name.